0: Matt, the moment you have all been waiting for. Brandon Oates, Eric Jeter, Caleb Lee present Cocky Nation. Welcome back to Cocky Nation, guys and gals. It was a heart-wrenching weekend with the football team, but Good news is in the future. We start basketball tomorrow night against the Southern Methodist Mustangs. I am joined by Caleb Williams. Eric Jeter had a lot going on tonight, so it's just me and Caleb for tonight. How you doing, Caleb? Dude, this weekend sucked. Oh, it did. I had a great time. I was at the Alabama State Marching Championships, so I was being a band geek and enjoying all of that. So, I, I was just in Carrollton for, for, a, for a jazz gig and Sunday Firebird had a tournament in Birmingham so that happened but the weekend itself it was just busy so I'm, I'm tired I don't have anything going on tomorrow so I'm probably gonna sleep a lot same after Southerners rehearsals and um, my lesson that I have to teach I'll probably end up sleeping I'm getting sick so I do need the rest Alright, first on the docket is reviewing the Tennessee Martin game. I didn't get to watch much of the game. I mean really I didn't. I was on the road a decent amount Saturday. What I did watch, I watched about like the last six minutes of the third quarter, and maybe the first like two or three minutes of the fourth quarter. And so I got to see like two, maybe two offensive possessions. And all I saw was a team that had no identity and no direction. And this has been a, a pretty constant gripe for me all season is that our offense no one really knows what it is. But this game, like they didn't even des- they couldn't decide what they wanted to do. And UT Martin is a good team, but they're not a team that we should. That we sh- I mean, we shouldn't be held to under 20 points against Not with that much talent. So I mean, it's just just a poor showing. I can't figure out if this team. I can't figure out if they just if they lost, you know, all hope. If if there's some poor coaching that's leading to to bad play, like I'm sure there's a few things that's going on. But it's just all kind of piling up and becoming a just just a bad year in general. I agree. Lots of changes need to happen. Starting quarterback needs to be different, in my opinion, next year. Zarek Cooper has very much well shown that he is a ball hog. Now, granted, we were good in the drives that he literally tucked the ball and ran, which is great. It ups his stats, it makes us look good, but at the same time, he's not passing to open players in his passing game, or there's miscommunication, and that was very evident of what I saw of the game. He was making the same mistakes that he always makes. I see it 2 If you'll allow me to give our offense a name, it is, it is a, for all intents and purposes, it is supposed to be a spreadoff. Under Coach Gross at from Oxford High School to Jacksonville State. He is one of the really spread offense. Whether that be the fact that it's kind of a high school offense, take that as you will. But it's supposed to be spread. And in most spread offenses that aren't Missouri, Missouri, Missouri being the exception because they have a pro coach as their offensive coordinator bid on. But most spread offenses, it's kind of you kind of have what's called a one read. So you get a receiver and a check down. In this case, you know, you might be seeing a lot of these same mistakes. They might just at this point the playbook might not be opened up. And so if we're only getting one reads with Zarek, odds are he's getting, hey, here's your downfield pass, here's your check down pass. Those are your two options. And unfortunately that doesn't work. When you've got a kid like Zarek, don't get me wrong, can he make some some plays that are a little overzealous? Yeah, but I mean, we all watched Kennesaw last year. He's the only reason we went to five overtime. He literally owned that game from start to finish. So he's obviously a talented player. He's a four star. He went to Clemson. He wouldn't have gone there if he wasn't talented. I just, I don't think the offense is being designed to highlight his strengths or the receivers or running back strengths at the moment. I mean, they're running a lot of pistol. They're trying to throw the ball down the field too much instead of using the fact that all of our receivers are possession receivers. We don't have just a bunch of speedsters that can take the top off of these. I mean, they can. But this isn't like, I mean, we don't have track stars out there at receiver, like a lot of big programs do. We've got guys that are good at catching a 10 to 15 yard pass, and then getting upfield from there. We're not right. trying to throw a deep 20 times a game. And unfortunately, that's what this offense is trying to do. We don't have the athletes for it. We only have one athlete that, that really is designed for that. And that's Zarek, who has one of the strongest arms in the SCS. But Josh, for all, I mean, for all his strengths, I mean, he's fast. But He's not, you know, he's not track speed fast. Jamari's not track speed fast. Daniel Bird, KJ Stefferson, a um, lot Edwards—they're not track speed fast. They're, they're wide receiver fast. Mm-hmm. They're, they're your I normal think. wide receiver fast. I think we've got to scrap this downfield passing spread game. We've got to get into a quick hit offense. Because eventually, what's going to happen is we're going to lose out. We're going to have a losing record if we keep playing this I mean, we're going to. At this point, no team is is. Not good enough to beat us. We have two games left. There's no one left on the schedule that's not good enough to beat us. The way we've been playing the last few or three weeks. So right. one win, I mean, a well, bad win given in the range. It was just a bad win. So, like, I don't know. I don't, I'm not the guy who just always calls for changes unless they're absolutely necessary. And I'm not going to necessarily say we need coaching changes. Something's got to change between the end of this year and the start of next year. Even if it's just a culture change. thing, hey, we're physically going to be the best team on the field every game. That's what it takes. That's what it takes. If that means changing coaches, do it. We've got to figure something out. Which, stats-wise, in all of our games except the Murray State game, our offense has led in yards per game. Like, they've had the most offensive yards. So, what's the deal? Like, I, I, I have yet to put a finger on what is wrong other than Zarek Cooper is not communicating with his wide receivers or he is just making stupid decisions under pressure. From a total yardage standpoint, yeah, removing the ball. Um now is it consistent? No, it's not consistent. I mean we we've seen games and I don't want to like just call SEMO I don't really want to you know look at SEMO as a game of judge offense by that's I mean those two weekends, the entire United States was, was soaked in rain. And multiple teams were looking really bad on offense. Even a team, I'm, I have to reference the FBS for a team, but LSU, a team that's been putting up points on anyone, had to calm down and run the football because it was too wet to do what they normally do. So if it's the standpoint of, hey, our coaches aren't making adjustments you know, well enough for us to... Cope with weather, cope with a talented defense, cope with our players not doing, you know, executing assignments. Like if that's the issue, okay, a coaching change might be needed. I mean, when we're looking at just moving the ball, like I think it's what we're doing is fine. It's the fact that we're not finishing. If you look at all of our numbers, we're moving the ball perfectly fine. We don't have to run for 250 yards a game to win games. Not with this team. We don't have to. We've got a ton of talent wide receivers, and a quarterback that when he's at his best, is the best in the OVC. I'm convinced. There, there's not another quarterback that t- can touch him from a pure talent standpoint. Has decision-making been bad? Yeah, but you know what? That's the name of the game. You make decisions. If you're, I mean, you can be a two-star quarterback that will walk on and win the Heisman. Baker Mayfield walked on to Texas Tech and became the best quarterback in college football and a number one overall pick. Jared Cooper four-star draft pick goes to Clemson, doesn't see the field for more than like three games, transfers, and now we're looking at him thinking, does he even need to be starting at the FCS level? Like, that's really, I mean, it's a case-by-case basis, and we're moving the ball fine, it's just the fact that there's no consistency, each week the team looks different. And it's not so much that it's, oh, we're on the road versus we're at home. No, we looked at home. Like, start of the season, we looked great at home. We beat Eastern Washington, which at the time looked like a really good win. We went punch for punch with one of the most potent offenses in FCS. And now, hindsight 2020, not only is that win not a great win, we've gotten worse since week three. And yet we're still moving the ball. You said it yourself. We lead most games in offensive yards. So is it just that we get inside the 25 and we lose all ability to, to have brain functions? Because the play calling has been awful inside the 25. Absolutely awful. They're trying to, like, I get it. This team looks like it's trying to have some, like, West Coast principles where they get inside the 25 and take a shot. But it's not working. Nothing that we're doing is working to score the football. Nothing. We can't make field goals. We can't put the ball in the end zone. And when we do get inside the 50, or get inside the 20, we get inside the 25 or even in the red zone, and we lose all ability to call plays. And it just becomes, hey, what backyard play can we draw up that might work? Or, hey, which which receiver can we throw to take to the back corner of the end zone and let him go get it? And it just doesn't work. Like, it's not working. Nothing has been working. And I know students are tired of it. I can't imagine the athletic department. I can't imagine that – I don't like name-dropping, but I can't imagine that Greg Seitz doesn't hear the complaints. Like, I have to imagine that he's hearing everything being he said about Coach Gross, Coach Ogle, even the defensive staff. A defense that has normally been really good. We can't stop anyone through the here So you have to imagine that everyone hears the complaints. That everyone knows what's being said. I have to imagine the coaches know, the players know, like they all hear it. This is one of the smallest campuses in the United States. Literally, it's within like, a, it's like a three acre campus in, in one circle. Like you have to think that people are hearing everything that's being said. So why are, haven't there been adjustments week to week? Why does the offense continue to look totally inept inside the 25? I don't get it. Here's another thing with the coaching and everything. I have seen glimpses of our team practicing, and they do look different in practice. So they're improving in practice, but why is it not transferring over to the field, to the game? You you would think, take marching band, for example. You work on a section during a show, and nine times out of ten, it's gonna look great Friday night or even Saturday at your competition. So I just don't understand how you can get better in practice and it not show up in a huge performance. I, I just don't get it. It's not and it's not that the spotlight is too big for these players. I mean, if we look at our roster, Zarek Cooper got playing time at Tiger Stadium in Clemson, South Carolina, which is arguably the number one football program. In the nation right now, KJ Stepherson got playing time at Notre Dame, one of the greatest programs in college football history. RJ Henderson, who hasn't played, obviously know that, but he's on roster, was a four-star commit to Florida. And running backs we've had in the past, um, Josh Clements, he played at Kentucky, he played in the SEC. So the spotlight isn't too big for any of our players. I guarantee you, for the players that even that just came to JSU. Like they know they're coming to a smaller school. I guarantee this spotlight's not too big. They're playing in the OVC. It's not a bit it's not a great conference. They're not playing World Beaters. They're not playing North Carolina State or James Madison or Sac State or Weaver. They're playing Austin Peay, CMO, Tennessee Tech. Like the best teams we play on a year to year basis are unranked. This is one of those weird years where the OBC has a ranked team that's not JSU. Usually there's only one and it's us. And this year we have like four teams that have at one point had a share of the of the lead of the conference. And somehow, somehow, JSU still has a chance to end up just one game out of winning the conference. With four losses. We have three conference losses. And if they win out and UT Martin loses out, or SEMO loses out, we're one game off the lead. That tells you how bad this conference is. So I know it's not that they're getting out there and they're just becoming the Star it's not that. They're just not executing. They're not. Whether it's a player's thing or a coach's thing, I don't know. I'm not privy to these details. I'm in Marching Southerners. So what I know is they don't want I the, the guys I know on the team, yeah, they I mean they know they're not playing well. So obviously they know. Like I'm I tend to think it's a coach. thing. They're not being properly prepared. If that means they have to watch more film, scout opponents more, they've got to. But they cannot afford to keep doing this if it's felt like the coding staff can't afford for them to keep playing like this if any of them expect to be here next year. And that's another thing about watching film. I have yet to hear from our players that they have watched film. And I get it. It's tough to get some film from teams because it's, it's just about impossible to send someone to a stadium and film a team. So the film you get, at this level, should I say, it's easier at the FBS level where if you're like Auburn and Alabama, Watch an Alabama game. It's on ESPN SEC Network every week, and you'll know what you're going to get from that team. You can watch their concepts and watch the formations. In the FCS, you don't get that. If you if you do, you're probably not spending enough time practicing because you have to go to ESPN Plus to watch most of the OVC games. But you shouldn't have to watch that, that much film to prepare for UT Martin. I know it's on the road, but it's UT Martin. They don't have any more talent than we do. I don't think there's a team in this conference that has more talent than or as much talent as we do. Like how, how many offenses in this country, in the, like in the FCS, can say, hey, we've got guys who have played at Power Five programs and, and have touched the field? And like for KJ, he caught touchdown passes for Notre Dame. Zarek threw and complete passes at Cleveland. How many teams can say that? That we have four and five star talent coming to our school to play because they weren't getting adequate playing time at their previous school? We've got more talent than everyone else. That's not an issue. It's got to be. Coaching preparation, or players in their heads thinking we're better than the, like they're thinking we're too good for the team we're playing. Something's got to give. I don't know what it's going to be. We're going to find out at the end of the season exactly what this team's problem was, because either players are going to start transferring out and finding better situations, or coaches are going to be fired. But one way or the other, this team is going to look different next year, and it's all because of how bad this season's gone. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm fine with with. Seasons that don't go well. Trust me, I'm fine with that. Season there, if you if you're expected to win a conference every season, it's hard to keep it going. we won five straight. Like, I get, yeah, we want to win another one, but eventually the streak has to be broken. But it never happens like this, unless there's something wrong. The last last team I've seen that looked this bad after looking so good in the year prior. Was a team like Auburn in 2015 when they absolutely imploded? Teams don't do this, so there's something wrong internally with this team, and I'd I'd like to know what because it needs to be fixed. We deserve better students, fans deserve better, alumni deserve better, the players deserve better. I completely agree. So, and I normally don't get I normally don't go on my soapbox about this team just because I'm tired of it. But given there's only two of us, we've got a bit more time, and I'm I'm having to get some stuff out because I haven't been on the podcast for a while. So. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned or we've mentioned KJ Stefferson a lot and i just want to read his receiving stats five receiving five re- receptions for 100 yards average of 20 per catch and his long was 33 yeah so he's he now he was like the past few games he's gotten playing time he's so the last few okay. games he's been a better player than Josh and Jabari he's been our best receiver for the last few two- So, that tells me our star receivers from last year aren't putting in the work. Either that or, again, going back to Zarek Cooper, there's just not enough communication between Zarek Cooper and our star receivers from last year. Because they played a heck of a lot better last year. This year, either they have taken a different route to get open and Zarek would throw to wherever he thought they were going to be, or he didn't communicate where he was actually going to throw the ball to those receivers. Well, and I have noticed this. I've actually watched – I try to watch the sideline a lot. No, I'm not an offensive coach. I, but I, I study offense a lot. It's just something I enjoy doing. And so I've studied, you know, how teams call plays, how they signal plays in. And usually there is a play caller for each formation set, each formation – like for each position position set so for wide receivers they have someone signaling in the concept for running backs they usually signal in hey here's your blocking assignment or here's your gap that you're you're going to try to hit whether it be a gap outside zone off tackle whatever it might be whatever it is for offensive line they have someone hey here's your blocking scheme like are you going to pull pull your guard um you can um you can go off tackle or are you gonna go power Not bad. if you're going to go um inside zone and everyone block uphill. So I'm, so they're calling in plays and I don't know if it's just necessarily that there's miscommunication between Zarek and the wide receivers. Because so I don't know, I don't think he has any audible power with this offense. I don't think he has the ability to change plays. And if it does, it's not even changing plays. It means he's running an RPO. So he's actively changing the outcome of a play after the ball's been snapped. That's, that's different. I don't think he has the ability to control anything that everyone else does. So it all comes down to execution again. Now, he does have the he does have the issue where he will lock it onto a receiver. It happens a lot because he's not a mobile quarterback. And in a spread offense, a mobile quarterback a non mobile quarterback, should I say, needs more time before the play to analyze the defense. Take um take Kyle Trask at Florida. When Felipe Franks goes down, they're used to running this option based offense. That was very simplified. And so they didn't have to take time between snaps. They could just line up to get up to the line and run. Kyle Trask, not a runner in any way whatsoever. And he has to read the defense because it's a drop-back passing scheme. Under Eli, it was not a drop-back passing scheme. It was a play action, which was set up off of inside zone, zone read. And they would run RPOs for slant routes, screens, and then occasionally they'd pull in and throw it deep just to keep him wants. With Zarek, they don't have any of that. Yeah, he can run the ball per se, but he's not a the quarterback. He runs like a 4 Like four, He's not fast, relatively. He's not fast compared to your average dual threat quarterback. So it's got to come down to either he's not reading the defense correctly or plays aren't being signaled in correctly between the wide receivers and the quarterbacks. His communication with his running backs been fine. They've been on the same page. Obviously, I know that our running game has been bad, but they've known what their assignment is. So it's, it's purely passing game, which is a shame because that's our strongest part of the offense. This team is probably the most confusing team in FCS. I don't know how, but it is. I've never seen a team that has a coach who has an identity as a run-first-spread guy, and the offense is pass-heavy, they can't run the football, and when they do throw the football, it's inefficient. I've never seen something like that. It is bizarre. Well, let's move on. We've said enough on the UT Martin game. Let's look at the Tennessee Tech game. This is another one of those games. Where just On paper, we should win the football. We should win. I'm not going to say we should dominate because I know what's happened in the previous nine games. On paper, we should win. So I'm not going to like say, oh, we're going to beat Tennessee Tech. We've got to go to Cookville and play a good game. We, we can no longer afford to win on talent a because it hasn't worked for us yet. And that's a that's another thing with this team. They they try to be star players instead of playing as a team. Yeah. And it's not working. I saw it at my high school when I was in when I was at Spartan. There were too many players that were trying to be heroes per se for the game. In our region at the time, you couldn't do that. There were too many great teams that usually made the playoffs that you cannot play like that. It it just will not get the job done whatsoever. Let's look at Tennessee Tech some of Tennessee Tech's games. Um they beat Sanford. They beat Western Illinois. I I know it's a bad team, but it's a big three team. They beat Sanford, Western Illinois, handled Eastern Illinois, who we struggled with lost to SEMO, lost to UT Martin, lost to Austin P. beat Murray State about the same as we did. I mean, if you want another OVC team that looks a lot like JSU, it's Tennessee Tech. Yeah, I think my only issue right now is that we've we've played a team that was almost identical to us in Tennessee State. Great passing offense, couldn't run the football, and a defense that was playing well below – capability. Like their numbers across the board were almost identical to was coming to that game. But that was a home game. That was not an away game. The game was here. We go on the road, there's no telling how this team is gonna play. At least here under normal weather conditions we can expect, okay, the team should play decent. On the road it's been anywhere from we look like like, like a dumpster fire. Like against Southeast Louisiana we look like a dumpster fire. All three faces of the game. I hate that. I I try not to ever say I'm done with a team that I that I'm loyal to, but I'm done with this 2019 football team. I no, really I am it. too. I'm just, I'm just over it. I'm over the drama. Well, I don't I don't want to say drama because I don't know what's going on with football, but I'm over the hype. I'm over being like I'm done with being excited for football. When I, like last year and in, in the you know, even the two years prior, like. Sure, JSU wasn't, you know, a quote unquote national contender, but there was still a draw to this team. You know, we still, you know, there were highlights to be had. We had a quarterback playing out of his mind almost every week. Played, had one real bad game against SEMO, and that's, and we, and we lost it. But every other game, we won in the regular season until Kennesaw. And then in Kennesaw, he would boss a wall, look like, the next coming of Carson Wentz against Kennesaw, and we lost really due, due to some poor officiating and Chamberlain Burks being the most untackable quarterback in college football. But, like, this year, no. now, we literally cannot run the football with any success. We have a passing offense that you don't know what you're going to get week from week other than we're going to try and throw it 40 times a game because we don't have any other option. We've got a quarterback that throws almost as many interceptions as he does turnovers. And we have a defense that literally cannot stop anyone through the air. And the running defense is only halfway okay in most games. I don't know if you'll ever find a, a more talented team that's near that's close to 500. Honestly, I don't, I don't know that you will. There's way too much talent on this team. Um, with Tennessee Tech, their home record is 2-2. Two and two. Our, our away record is a lot worse than that. Lost to Selah, uh lost at Austin P, beat Eastern Illinois, lost to Semo, and lost to Tennessee Martin. We are absolutely horrible on the road. We've, yeah, only, I mean... we've only won one game, the one game we should have won, and we still struggle against them. One hundred percent. I I would hundred percent agree. And you look at those scores on the road. Like 35. two of those games were were okay, I know that we have defined blowout as what, five touchdowns, thirty five points? Yes. Okay, look. Those may have not been blowouts from a score standpoint. By our definition, those were blowouts though. We just, mm-hmm. the game wasn't close. We we scored we scored garbage time touchdowns to make it look respectable if you were only, you know, window shopping the game. Yeah, with uh Sila, we scored only two touchdowns, so that was a just a horrible game. Um uh, at Austin P in the fourth quarter, we went 19 to 7. We won the fourth quarter. Yeah, we know we were on page to put up a lot of points. If you just look at if you just look at that game, and these are both games, you know, if you look at, at the score, you're thinking against Southeast Louisiana, you're gonna look okay, go, okay, yeah, they got one. You lose by 21 on the road to a team that's not good. Okay, they just got to hit it. But you look at the Austin P game. Austin P is a talented team. I'll give them credit. They're a good team. And that's a game where you're like, okay, they put up some points, but Austin P just had that one of those days on offense. The other two games, on the other hand, it's been we've lost because our offense is totally incompetent. At Eastern Illinois, we score. No, it was We win Eastern Illinois. It's our one road game. We only score 28 points. Mm-hmm. but then we lose to UT Martin. And we score 17. 17. This is an offense that the last five years has lit, lit up the OVC. No matter who the quarterback is, under Brian Horn, we won a conference championship. He was our second-leading rusher. That's but, So, yeah, he couldn't throw the ball, but he could run. and So we were able to continue what we've been doing under Eli. Under Zarek, I think everyone expected him to be, you know, a Cam Newton-type quarterback because that's who he trained with. People thought, oh, he's big. He's athletic. It turns out he's all of those things. I think it's all up here. I just think this team just—it's not clicking mentally for them. And I'm not saying they're not smart. I just don't think it's clicking right now. I just don't know what to expect this weekend. So we're just going to move on to the next sport that will be the biggest thing that we cover on this podcast is basketball. So I know that you were at both of the exhibition games for the men's and women's. I was. So, for women, we played Barry out of Rome. Yep. Um, And for the men, we played Montevallo out of Alabama. basically. So, yeah. So, I wasn't at the games. So, you... I'll leave this to you. You give us your take on both of those games. Okay. So, last Tuesday night, men had their exhibition game hosting Montevallo. not going to lie, they didn't play great. There was promise. Like, you know those games where the team looks like they're executing, but shots just won't fall for whatever reason? Mm-hmm. It was one of those games. They were getting a ton of good looks from three. They were getting good looks in the paint. Just shots will not fall. For whatever reason. And this is a team that has more shooters than they did last year. Last year, if we if whenever we shot a three, everyone in the st- in the in the arena was just Look around like, what are we doing? Because we couldn't shoot threes. We were one of the worst three-point shooting teams percentage-wise in the country, but we shot a lot of threes. Um, against Montevallo, we shot a decent. We we shot way more threes. We shot nearly like over 20 threes in that game. We didn't make a lot, but we were getting a lot of good looks. We were swinging the ball into the corner um, when the defense would over-rotate. We we make an extra pass and we would have an open look. Big guys were able to play good inside-out offense, and kick out to an open um, shooter behind the front. Like, we had a good offense. They ran well, which couldn't make shots. If they made shots, we might have scored 100 points. It was kind of a confusing game because Montevallo, obviously, is not an NCAA school. So you kind of take it with a grain of salt whether they play good or not. If they play poorly, which they didn't, they didn't play like poorly, you say, oh, this team is really bad. If they play great, you have to say, oh, this isn't an NCAA team. But it was kind of a mixture of the two. We didn't make many shots, but we did everything we had to. Defense was wasn't bad. We have athleticism. The men's team has has a lot of athleticism. I think it's just gonna be a matter of figuring out what each player, what their strength defensively is. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if everyone out there is a lockdown man. Man, 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 I really don't. Ty isn't. He's just too small to guard most point guards. I mean, he's only six one. But he can serve his own in a zone-heavy scheme. But we also have some really long, athletic wings like Cade Henry that can keep up with, with just about anyone. Mm-hmm. So, And we have a new center, a new starting center. So Maros Zelisnak, who a lot of people expected would be the starter, did not get the start against Montevallo. Um, a check by the name of uh, Martin Rube got the start. And he actually played really well. He, I mean, he was just very coordinated in the paint. He he made a three. He grabbed the rebounds well. He was strong. He's like, he's, I think he's six eleven. Like so, uh, he played very well. He it was very giggle like in the way he played. He did all the right things, and he played good defense. So I think there's some hope in this team. It'll they'll get a good test at SMU tomorrow night, seven um, o'clock. So watch if you didn't know they're playing. But they'll get a good test. The women's team, this is where it gets interesting. We've been used to some not good women's teams the last couple of years. This women's team might be – they might have some. They really might have something. Um Coach Petrie, I think he's kind of figured out how this team needs to be ran. I really do. Um Yeah, what was the score on that? It was a uh, blowout. It was like 104 to like 38 or something it was like that. I know that Barry did not get to 40. Um, but, I mean, they were running up and down the court, shooting threes left and right. And I think one one of the biggest improvements I saw is the improvement. I'm gonna I'm just gonna name drop Jesse Day, a, a girl who didn't get a ton of playing time last year, but she got a decent amount of playing time. But, you know, she she wasn't shooting well. She wasn't really a big part of the team when she was on the court. This year, I mean, she she I got inserted as the starting I believe the starting small forward. No, starting uh she was starting number four. Um, we're playing a three guard two forward system. Um, with the women's right now. So she was starting technical uh, forward mm-hmm. run. She played amazing. She really did. She was knocking down some shots. She made free throws. Uh, she rebounded well. I mean, she really did well. And I think the team is, I think this team just has more chemistry. They're a little bit more athletic. They're shooting better. I really think this women's team might have something to do. I get it was Barry, so you have to kind of take it with a grain of salt. A lot of Barry's players, I don't want to mean this in a mean way, they look like they were still juniors in like their starting point guard literally looked like she was fourteen. And she's a either a sophomore or junior. Like a lot of players in the five four to six foot range. No one really taller. JSU has some taller girls in the six two to six three range. And a lot of girls in that five seven to six foot range. Like they've got a lot of height. And I think that's what really did it. So you have to take it with a grain of salt. But they played Outstanding. That's the most entertaining women's game I've been to in my time at JSU. I've been here, this is my fourth year. I haven't been to many good women's games. That one was just fun to be at. Um, I was talking to a lot of people in the student section next to us and they were like, man, this team looks a lot better than this last year. Just overall improvement. Look like they're having more fun. So women's team will definitely be, you know, a squad to keep an eye on. They've got a tough matchup. Game one. They go to Vanderbilt. Nashville's not an easy place to play. Vanderbilt, while not a great basketball program, they're still SEC. So, like, so, you know, it'll be tough. But it'll be a good test. I'd like to see. They don't necessarily have to win for me to be impressed. If they if they go up there and they compete and they make it a fight, that tells me this team is ready. But I think the women's, other than Belmont, I think this conference is wide open in the women's division. In the women's OVC, I think Belmont's the only team that is guaranteed a top spot in. Um, In the men's, I think it's wide open again. Belmont losing uh, Dylan Wimler, that's a big loss for them. Murray State loses both John Morant. um, Well, really, I mean, they they lose John Morant. Need I say more? Right. Starting point guard for the Memphis Grizzly. Might I add that Belmont has a new coach. Yeah, um, that could possibly play into Belmont not being as successful as they have been. So yeah, we still we'll a see lot of, about Belmont. They still got a lot of birds players, and I think the culture. I don't think it'll be a culture change. I think it's just going to be just a new face, but I think it's going to be a lot of the same stuff. Austin P. I don't really know what to think of Austin P. Yet. Each year they're kind of they're they're a good team each year. We're going to see who they're you know who really pops out this year. For JSU, I think the Vince team is great. I mean, it's theirs for the taking this year. This, so, this is the most wide open the conference has been since we've been here. They won in my uh, in the 2016-17. They won it as I believe a four seed. No, I believe, no, they won it as a six seed, either five or six seed. They weren't a top seed. They didn't have a buy in the first round of the seed uh, tournament. Next year, they were, I believe, the three seed, and they were eliminated second round. Because mm-hmm. last year they were the three seed. They were the three seed and made it to the semifinals and lost to Murray State in closing minutes to Murray State. I mean, fought their butts off from Which, the beginning to the end. In my opinion, that shouldn't have happened. So But I mean, you give credit. Like like this team has has made its name, hey, we're gonna be in the top three or four every year. It's gonna depend on if this team now losing four seniors from the starting lineup plus more seniors from the bench, if they can replace all that production. I think they can. I think it'll be a fun year. It'll be a different year. We're gonna have to, you know, I don't want to say learn new names, but we're gonna we're gonna they're gonna be some new household names. Basketball has a lot of promise, that's for sure. All right, so next on the segment is Firebird. Yeah, so... so I'll leave this to you again. <laughs> yeah, so Firebird, we had a tournament um, up in Birmingham hosted by uh, hosted by Sanford. We uh, we had a pretty successful first day. We finished tied for second after the first day. Um, but due to point differential, we were the three seed. So first game of the tournament, we played Troy. We win 10-9. Well, Troy... Yeah, it was. I mean, good to get a get a first win. Close, close game. We went three and two uh, Saturday, beating Troy, Tennessee Tech, North Georgia, and losing to Union and the Sanford alumni team. Two really good teams. Um, second day, we played. We played just two games, so we lost to Union, 15-10. We didn't play great against Union. Not gonna lie. Um, we had some. You know, we had some chances. Um, and just made some mistakes we didn't we didn't make. I, you know, I think it comes down to you know we've got a lot of young players. We two of our captains weren't you know weren't able to be there one due to uh, due to an uh, ankle injury, the other finishing up cross country. But you know we had chances. And then the next game we got Troy again for the third place game. and We went eleven seven. So we finished third place of the tournament. All in all, you know we played we played okay. We were able to able to rotate some guys in, um, get some younger guys playing time. Um, older guys played pretty well. I was only there for the second day just because of everything that I had doing on Saturday. But there's a lot of talent on the team. It's just going to be a matter of you know continuing to develop it and getting ready for the spring, which is obviously fall is great, but it's only really a stepping stone because it's not sanctioned. Once we get to spring and we're in sanctioned events, we're going to be at the point where, okay, we can only take this many people to Tournament because there's such thing as too much subs. So we have to cut down the roster. And at that point, I think that's when kind of the cohesion, knowing what our lines are, not having so many subs, I think that's when we'll get better. Because we'll be able to get lesser guys in the more of them. And at a tournament like this, it's unsanctioned. You're playing teams that you're not gonna be playing the next like like we won't be playing Sanford alumni. That's an unsanctioned team. That's people who play a lot of competitive, who have played a lot of club and a lot of league a lot of summer and winter league, So you're not going to be playing teams like that. But you're going to be playing teams like North Georgia, Tech, uh, Troy. Those are teams that we'll play. And so getting some competition is nice. Certainly something to uh, look forward to. Um, coming up this weekend, we actually have club Fest, uh, our very own tournament. Yeah, so what teams are going to be coming to club
1: Fest? We I asked this actually,
0: question before, and we didn't get an answer. Yeah, well, we didn't get an answer because... Because um, we didn't have an answer. We now do not have an answer. I, and when I say that, that's actually because I'm not really pretty to who's going to be there. I don't have anything to do with planning the tournament, anything like that. I don't still have an answer for that. Once I know the schedule, I can, like, we can get it. We'll post, we'll post it on the Facebook page. Yeah, once we get our schedule, um, I haven't been told what's well going to be there. I just know that there's a lot of, it's going to be a lot of good teams. A lot of really talented teams. A lot of teams are going to be playing in the spring too. Um, so, where is Cluckfest going to be held, and from on what days and from what times? So, Cluckfest is listed as being at Chocolaco. Okay. So we're going to be at Chocolaco Park. So, be out there, Oxford. Not too far of a drive. Trust me, I know a lot of you've been out there because after the tornado hit, we played baseball and softball games out there. On Saturday, Saturday and Sunday. Saturday and Sunday. It's a two-day event. Uh, Saturday will be the round robin portion of the tournament, where you will, will be divided up into um, into what we're called pools, and we'll play round robins within those pools, and that will determine our seeding for Sunday, which becomes bracket play. Okay. And bracket play will determine the champion of the event. Most ultimate tournaments, after pool play, take the top two teams from each. And put them into bracket play and seed them based on record. Well, based on current record in the tournament and plus previous record and national rankings, whatever. So that's how we'll get our seed. So, yeah, we'd love for people to come out. We'd love to have the support. Um, It's tough to get people to these tournaments because they're often in places that people don't know exist. Like a lot of these parks, people don't know exist until they get to the park. It's tough to get to some of these, you know, it's tough for fans to get to them, but we'd love it if you guys would come out. Um, It's going to be kind of an all-day thing on Saturday, and then times will be updated for Sunday as we know what seat will be. It'll be a lot of fun. Um, Unfortunately, I'll only be out there for like three games. Oh, Saturday. So Saturday, I'll be there for like the first three games, and then we have a women's basketball game, first home uh, regular season game for either team. Um, Women play Florida A&M on Saturday, so I'll be there for Hardcore. Sunday, I won't be able to be there at all um, due to um, a bunch of gigs and concerts I've got on Sunday. But the team will still be out there, balling out. We're fiber, We were a top 100 for Like, We've got talent, and we're really looking forward to finding some good teams and really seeing just how good we are. We think we've got a lot of talent to make you know, make a name for ourselves in Sectionals in the spring. But it starts at this tournament where we've got a lot of good teams coming. It's gonna be a lot of fun in Park, those of you who haven't been out there, you're basically just gonna get on uh, you're gonna get on four thirty one well you're gonna get on twenty one go down and get on four thirty one south to Oxford or whichever direction it is south yeah south towards Oxford and you're gonna stay on four thirty one like and keep going past the commons past the exchange Chocolate Park will be on the right and in there there's baseball stadium softball stadium and then there are soccer fields. I think. I think we're on the soccer fields. We should be on the soccer fields. Maybe on the baseball stadium. Maybe. Uh, they, we haven't really gotten a lot of that yet. But it'll be it'll be a good time. So come out. Support JSU Fiber. We need it. I'm getting into a really, really important season for us. All right. Let's move on to the overlooked sports. First with volleyball. Okay, so I've been trying to keep up with volleyball as best as I can. Um... And I haven't done a great job of it. I want. I went to one match. Hardcore did um did the Murray State match, and Jay Z won three sets to one. Won the first set, um, lost the second set, and then ran the last two off to win the match. I don't really know how to judge just how good a volleyball team is, other than they're very good at setting for kills. I really don't know. I'm not a volleyball fan, but from what I can tell. They all knew their assignments, and they played well, and they beat Murray State. And that actually, that mat- specific match was for the lead in the OVC. As of last week, they were winning the OVC. Um, if I can pull up. I'm pulling up the recent schedule. Um, they are 15 and 9 with a 9 and 3 conference record, and they beat Murray State, like you said. Uh, after that, they beat the OVC. OB- I believe they were the OVC champion last year. Austin P three three to zero, and beat Tennessee Tech three one, and then they lost to Southeast Missouri State on Saturday three to one. Yeah, they're nine and three in the conference. They actually have a higher winning percentage in the conference than they do overall. Um, I know that we were talking earlier about the. I mean, looking at the numbers, they were six and six in non-conference play, and we were saying, oh, this may not be a great year for them, but they. have Really gotten hot in conference play. So credit to them. They've won three of the last four of the last five matches. So volleyball looking like they, you know, could really make a run for uh, hopefully an OVC championship. Yeah, hopefully they had they play Eastern Kentucky at Eastern Kentucky uh, Friday night and at Morehead State on Saturday. They will be home for their last two games of the season. Uh, Belmont next Friday night and Tennessee State next Saturday. But we will be in Indianapolis. So, right. so Volleyball, hopefully it will be really good. Um I'm praying. This if if we win the conference, won't we go to the NCAA tournament? Yes. So yeah, all I did look that much up. In the NCAA volleyball tournament all conference champions get an automatic. I believe that's I believe that's the it. Um Moving on to soccer, they're still really bad. Very, very bad. Um, they're four and fourteen, are one and nine in conference. They're currently two and seven at home, two and seven on the road. Their season's done. Yeah, the the, the season's over. Actually, it is over. They have, they have no more games left on the schedule. And I believe if I had if I saw it correctly, not all OBC teams go to the conference tournament. I don't believe, I believe so. So we believe, are completely done with soccer. Yeah, so season's over. Um, maybe next year, guys. Yeah, I don't. I didn't pay attention to soccer. Any. Um, looks like it might have been for the better. But yeah, maybe next year. Um, not much. Not much really to say about soccer. They just they had a bad year. They had a very bad year. So, all right, let's move on to predictions. I got some really good games lined up. First on the docket is North Alabama at Montana. Now, Monmouth beat Kennesaw State this past weekend to grab the lead in the conference. So, as expected, as we've been all saying about Kennesaw State, they are not as good as they were last year. And it showed against Monmouth when they beat them 45-21. Yeah, you know, I still think they're a top. I still have them in my top of team. I have like 12 right now. Um, I haven't done my rankings for this week. But they will fall probably to either 15 or they will definitely be in my top 20. Yeah, I have them in my 15 because, I mean, they have a loss to Kent State. And, you know, you can't really look at an, F- at an FBS loss all that fairly. Unless it's North Dakota State. If they were to go lose to, like, Kent State, people would be concerned. Because Kent State's one of the worst teams in college football. Yes. And North Dakota State is decidedly one of the best, regardless of mm-hmm. division. All I can say is I I didn't call that game. At at Kennesaw, against the triple option, I would have expected them to win. Monmouth pulled out a really impressive um, upset. And because of that, I'm going to say that they're going to ride the momentum and take the dub over UNA. UNA is not what we thought they were going to be. They've had some close games. Uh, They only lost to Charleston Southern um, 25-20. And they actually hosted Campbell this weekend and kept it pretty close. So we we'll we'll definitely see um how UNA finishes the season, but I'm going Monmouth. Yeah. So um, no no real reason that Monmouth should win this game. So Alright, next one is Richmond at Villanova. Now Villanova has lost their past three games. Yeah, they've fallen off the um, table. They have a good start to the year too. They have. Um, but once they hit those top tier colonial teams, it, you figure it's out just... how good you are. Yeah, I'm gonna take Villanova. I just tend to think, you know, like you said, if they're playing top tier colonial teams, so you kind of just get what you get. I mean, if you're if you're a, a mid tier team in your opinion conference, you generally can go up against a team that maybe is, you know, looking to win the national championship, like James Madison. No one's gonna argue New Hampshire on that level. So I'm taking Villanova on a in a get back on track week trying to finish the season off strong. I'm taking Villanova. Alright. Um, next one is Virginia Military Institute at Furman. VMI. So VMI more of a basketball school than they are a football school. Uh, they are, but they are they are so much better this year. They're in on the rise. Football. They're on the rise. So I just think Furman's going to be too much for VMI. Furman's a a good team. Um, I mean, there's a reason that they've won as many games as they have. They've got a lot of talent. I'm not totally sold on VMI yet. Improvement, for sure. But I think this is still kind of that transition year where they're like, still trying to build this program into what they want it to be. I'm taking Furman in the win. Um, Expect it to be close, though. I think VMI will put up a good fight. All right, next one is Kennesaw State at Campbell. Okay, so obviously, I who I'm going with. Obviously, KSU just lost a moment at home, and Campbell was and still is in the top three in the Big South, but they struggled against North Alabama, yeah, it's, it's... who Kennesaw handily beat. I, I tend to think more often than not. A triple option is going to win games for the Kennesaw State team. I really do. Usually against lesser competition, it will win the games. So I'm still going to go Kennesaw and a really close to the game game. I really do. I think it will be a close game, but I'm going to take the triple option as a winner. Correction, Campbell lost to North Alabama 25-24. to 24. Yeah, I'll say I'm taking Kennesaw so, as, as the best. With that being said, I I'm, I'm actually going to change my prediction. I'm going to go Kennesaw State. I'm taking Kennesaw as the best team in Atlanta right now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I agree. think it's I think it's fair to say at this point. I agree with that. Uh, next game, Eastern Kentucky at Semo. One of those games that I could care less about. Really, if, if, if the field just kind of opened up and the portal of hell, and both teams fall through, I wouldn't be offended either way. As it is, JSU needs Simo to lose. They need a lot of teams to lose. So I'm making this pick more out of desire than prediction, and I'm going with Eastern. Just because I we need CIMO to lose for it, JSU to have any hopes of making this root record look good. I agree, but like I have said before we started this, our playoff chances are out of the I'm actually going to go SEMO because if SEMO loses to Eastern Kentucky, I don't think that they will make the playoffs with a loss to Eastern Kentucky. So just so we can get more than one team in from the OVC, I'm going SEMO. All right, next game is Illinois State at South Dakota State. This should be an easy one. South Dakota State. Yeah. Is Give me the Jackrabbits. Give me Pat McAfee and the Jackrabbits. <laughs> I will say this about game day. He was he was the life of game day. Oh, dude, that Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee is my spirit animal. He's a monster. It's I'm I'm glad that the Vinatieri picked him, um, to replace him. I am too. He he made that he made that episode. Great. Yeah, it was um, fun. So give me the Jackrabbits. Convincingly, I'm going South Dakota State as well. Convincingly, Illinois State's talented, but they're not South Dakota State talented. Exactly. Uh, next game, Princeton at Dartmouth. See, I I dig Ivy League. I rock Ivy League. It is my goal to go to a Harvard Yale game. I do want to go to a. I do want to go to the game. Oh yeah, no, the game. I, it's not the best rivalry in culture for. I'd say it's top five though. Oh yeah. I'd say it's top five. Up there with Iron Bowl, uh the big game. Probably up there with USC uh Notre Dame. Like it, it's up there. Maybe even Oklahoma, Texas, I'd say. Princeton's a good football team. Very good. They're so is Darwin they're a good football um, team. This is a easily um a top fifteen matchup. Oh no, this is this is definitely an Ivy League. It'll be an Ivy League classic. I'm taking Princeton. I think Princeton's Gonna pull see, out. I don't know if Princeton had an off week last week because they're usually putting up at least 40 points a game. Uh, they've got and, one of the best off And Cornell held them to just over 20. So I, I don't know if the Ivy Leagues are just that good. Well, see, or... we never, or, never know because they don't participate. Exactly. So we don't know so just how good they I, are. I do know for a fact though that Princeton and Dartmouth are and Yale are your three best OBC school uh, OBC Ivy, League, Ivy League, schools. League schools. I'm thinking Princeton um similar to how LSU, you know, they've been putting up 40-50 on everyone. They put up just over 20 to Auburn. I think it's the same deal. I think Princeton's going to come out and blow the blow the roof off offensively. I I'm, think it's another good get back week. I'm going Dartmouth because they have been so consistent on scoring over so I'm going Dartmouth. It'll be a shootout. It'll be a fun game to watch. I, I might actually have to tune in for this game. i say I might actually have so, to actively participate in watching this one. It'll be a fun one for sure. All right. Um, New Hampshire ver- uh, at JMU. You know who I'm picking at this one. You I mean know who I'm I'm probably this one? I'm probably going to pick JMU, but you cannot deny that New Hampshire is So much improved this year. They beat Villanova last week, 28-20. to Give me the Dukes. Uh, I'm I'm picking JMU, man. I'll go JMU, but I would not be surprised if New Hampshire came out with a win. All right, next game, North Dakota at Weber State. Ooh, give me Weber. Man, I don't think people understand just how cold... Utah is this time of year. Ogden is a cold place. Let me just... Ogden, Utah, for Saturday, it won't be miserable, high of 59, low of 36, and sunny. I still just tend to think that the weather, that's not great football. Weather. You tend to think that it'll probably be somewhere in between that um, during the afternoon, probably in, in the, in the mid, mid to high 40s. Weaver's used to it. Give me Weaver State. Close though. It'll be close. It'll be very close. I was just about to read off um, I'm taking the, I'm taking home field advantage. So. The games for North Dakota. Uh, North Dakota's good wins are Sam Houston State twenty seven to twenty three. UC Davis. Granted, UC Davis is not as good as we thought, but it's still a good win. Thirty eight to thirty six. They beat Cal Poly thirty to twenty six and they just beat um Montana a few weeks ago. Montana State a few weeks ago, sixteen to twelve. And Montana State is still in the playoff field, as well as Sam Sam Houston State. I just think I just think so, I'll manage I think with Weaver, it's gonna be a similar like situation with Maine when they're playing at home. It's just it's a it's a climate that most teams are not used to. I think Weaver's gonna get it done. I'm going to go North Dakota because they have experience playing at these schools. They used to be in the big sky. So they had to travel to these places that are usually cold. So I'm going with North Dakota. All right, next game, Seelaw at Central Arkansas. Uh, Central Arkansas. Seelaw's not a good team. I mean, they're really not. Central Arkansas... Is definitely a good team. I'm taking Central Arkansas. I really am. I don't know if it's gonna be like a blowout per se, but it'll be convincing, for sure. Um, I'm not putting them on a upset word Looking at Sela's games, they haven't really like played terrific since the JSU win. But I will say this, Central Arkansas has had a lot of close losses to teams they should have blown out. So I'm going like you, Central Arkansas, but again, it would not surprise me if CeeLaw won the game. Alright, next game, UT Martin at Austin P. I know it's a lot of games, but there were a lot of really good games this week. JC's not making the playoffs, I don't have any interest in this. Goodness. And I have a lot more hate for Austin P as a school because of like just up in person seeing how seeing how that their athletics program is run. Like in basketball games when they're over here, you know, cussing out students and stuff. Like like I don't think that's just a basketball thing. Like they've generally not been a very class athletic program. So this is again more out of desire than two teams that have beaten JSU and I don't really care. So give me U T Martin. Um it's it's a battle of the Tennessees. Tennessee schools. I'm going with Austin P just because they have played really well at home. And it's at Austin P. So, I'm going with the Govs. Alright. Last game. JSU at Tennessee Tech. You know what it is? This is a not I don't, I don't know what to think of this game. Well, I lost my streak of picking us to lose and us winning. Yeah, and I blame you for that loss. No, I blame the weather for that loss. I'm going to the weather for the Seminoles, because um, I've gotten it ride right every other time. Picked the, I picked Eastern Washington to win, we won. But you picked JSU last week. Did I? Yes, you did. Uh, well, like I said, I lost my streak, so I'm just gonna. We're all cocks, baby. This is a cocky nation. We're not here to, to be on bias. We're here to we're here to root for our guys until until they don't exist anymore. Cocks by 90. I'm actually going Tennessee Tech in this. Uh, we just play really bad on the road. And so I'm going Tennessee Tech in this game. Well, we can already lock in Eric Cutie's pick for this game. It's going to be Cox by 90, blowing the doors off without any doubt. And we'll get his predictions. Yeah. So. All right. That wraps up this episode. Any final thoughts? Yeah. Come to Cluckfest. Yes. Come to Cluckfest. It's at Chocolaca Park Sunday and Saturday and Sunday. So come out and support Firebird. It's going to be a great day. Be there. Don't watch any other games. Just watch ours. Uh, Follow our Instagram page and Twitter page at cocky underscore nation. Give our Facebook page a follow. Come try and join the Facebook group. Please, please, please join our Facebook group. Uh, Follow Cocktopus, as Eric Jeter would say. So, oh, shout out to our basketball team. They start their season against Southern Methodist this weekend. Uh, not this weekend. Tomorrow night. Uh, I believe it's on ESPN Plus. So, give our ba- uh, Watch our basketball team play a really good American Conference team. So they're on ESPN3. So if you have ESPN on your on your cable or satellite subscription. You have ESPN3. If you don't have an excuse not to watch. We're gonna open the laptop and watch. Also, in the finish, Eric is small brain. Agreed. Eric is very small brain. So we're out. Go Cox. plus southerners? we we're, we're, we're out. Boom. Boom.